Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. In this time leading up to Easter Sunday, we're looking at the last week uh, of the life of Jesus Christ and what we can learn from that. We're looking at uh, what Jesus said, who he hung out with, what he did, and uh, how that can impact us in our lives. And I hope that you'll be able to make it for each week uh, of this series. Jesus, unlike us, uh, he knew the timeline of his life. And in fact, uh, if you're following along, uh, if you take your outline out, we're going to look at our very first verse. Uh, it, Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Jesus is aware that he is facing the very last week of his life. Sort of interesting, if you're, if you're a Bible person and you wonder the, the distribution uh, of the Bible, uh, it's a little lopsided. There's uh, four accounts of Jesus' life which take up most of the Bible. And if you look at those four accounts, especially uh, the Gospel of Mark that we're looking at uh, today, a third of that is devoted to the final week of Jesus' life that everything sort of uh, centers around this. And you think about that, uh, it's sort of uh, an interesting question, maybe a little morbid question. Uh, what would you do if you had uh, one week to live? In fact, I, I went on the website Quora, and there were a bunch of answers. A lot of them I cannot share in church. And so I'm going to share the ones that I can't share in church. Uh, one person said this, I would go to amazing parties in Hawaii and Dubai, and I would dance and sing a lot with all the people. So that's one thing they would do. This one, I would make sure my life insurance bill is paid. My daughters put that one in there for me. Uh, I, I, would, uh, I guess I would apologize to my father for everything wrong I had done. Uh, this one, I would watch the best scenes of friends before the last moments to have the happiest and most peaceful death possible. Something to shoot for, right? And then uh, contact everyone who's ever helped me and thank them. As, as, uh, and then finally, I would spend the whole week trying to connect with God. As we think about uh, these moments in our life, and really if we were going to think about the last moments of our life, and as we look at the last moments of Jesus' life, uh, it brings an incredible amount of clarity to uh, what's significant, what's important, and maybe how we should be living life uh, all along. And for those of you who are a regular part of Timberlake Church, uh, you might know that this is sort of a, my, my wife and I, this little family business, uh, this has been a crazy week or so uh, for, for us. Uh, about, about a week, week and a half ago, uh, now it was, uh, my wife was uh, just 
hanging around the house before she uh, went to work, and she got sort of dizzy, and then, you know, sort of not a big deal, and then uh, again, she was doing laundry or in the laundry room, she got dizzy again and fell to the ground and uh, couldn't get back up. Half her body was, wouldn't move. She's okay now. I know some of you look very concerned. She's fine now. And uh, couldn't, you know, couldn't really speak, and my daughter was there, and she dials 911. And so by the time the paramedics came, uh, she was, uh, you know, fine up and around, and, and they, they were wondering, thought, you know, maybe she just, uh, you know, it was something else, and, and they weren't sure what happened. My wife is from Montana, and she is like from a tough family. And so uh, she calls and says what happened, and she goes, yeah, I might go by the doctor later on this afternoon. And I'm like, no, we're going to the doctor now. And uh, it was uh, amazing just because of the sense of clarity, and it may have been the first time my wife actually listened to me as well. (laughs) And so uh, we went to the doctor. The doctor did uh, all the tests and then uh, couldn't uh, couldn't really find anything. Did a CAT scan, did all of that, and uh, so uh, then said, hey, you probably want to have an MRI uh, as well. And so... Uh, we're, you know, sort of going through the week. My wife is saying, ah, I don't know if I should have an MRI. They're sort of expensive. Uh, so my wife is as frugal as I am. And finally, a friend from the church, uh, you know, sort of guilted her into it. Uh, we got the MRI results, and uh, the doctor said, you need to go to the emergency room uh, right away and don't drive. And so drove her to uh, Overlake Hospital, uh, did a great job there, uh, saw Saw a neurologist, and uh, the neurologist also great, uh, great Christian uh, lady who was there uh, said that she had actually had a couple strokes, and uh, and had one before that, and so it was, you know, you hear that word and it's like really, really uh, heavy, and it was something like, you know, we've never experienced uh, uh, before. In fact, my wife is in excellent physical condition. She does like, you know, those super fitness things all the time. I was talking to one of my friends, and he said, I can't believe that happened. Your wife is like a hot mom. And I'm like, well, thank you, and should I hit you? I'm not sure uh, about uh, that. But she is a hot mom. I mean, that's, uh, uh, and that's awesome. So, uh, but, you know, just in excellent physical condition. In fact, actually, the doctor said that's probably why she, her body just sort of went out of the, the first strokes, just sort of rewired and was able to uh, go with not uh, a lot of uh, physical, uh, physical effect. And so it just incredible moment when life uh, slowed down and, and, and we're praying and, and the doctor, you did all these, they did all these sort of tests uh, there and uh, found out uh, finally, that it had nothing to do. She has literally zero risk, personal risk factors, doesn't have one risk factor for stroke, doesn't have one genetic risk factor. It was just something where she had uh, a little hole in her heart. And the hole in her heart is where the blood clots were forming. And so uh, now they were able to uh, get the medicine, and, and now she's okay. And uh, the, the, uh, it was just totally scary. I did remind my wife, because I'm sort of a stress monger, and I have every risk factor for, like, heart problems. I literally do, like, both sides of the family, strokes, and all of that. 
my wife always tells me I need to calm down, and she said to me a number of times, she said, if you ever have a stroke, I'm going to put you in a wheelchair right in front of the window, and you're going to see me as I live my life and wave goodbye. And so I reminded her of that as we were in the the hospital, and uh, uh, it was uh, just one of one of those times where, uh, and by the way, she's on blood thinners and, and, and uh, fine now, and you know, they don't know if they're going to do the surgery uh, for the hole in her heart. And by the way, there was a lot of jokes about that as well. <laughs> you know? uh, but uh, it was one of those times that you think about how we've lived our marriage and how we've lived our life. And interestingly, it wasn't, we didn't know that, obviously, when we were uh, going to uh, do this series. And uh, we're just thankful to God that she's here this weekend and and fine. And it makes you think, though, because you never really know. And it's not so much about, honestly, what happens in the last week of your life. It's It's how I've lived my life up until that point. Am I gonna approach it with a great sense of regret. Um, and, and I say this is not a brag thing. If you want to mess, I'm sure our family, there's a lot of things you can learn not to do from. But as we talked, one of the things we talked about is just not a lot of regret when it comes to that and how we've lived our life. And I was thinking about this as we start this series. What, what would you have time for during your last week? And, and, I, and I think as I've, I've talked to people and uh, preparing for this series, uh, people would say, you know, I'd have time to finishing unfinished business. And a lot of that would be uh, forgiveness. We read that in some of the, uh, the answers to the chorus survey as well. Connecting with those you love. We all want to say those words that maybe we haven't said. Making a difference for others. Uh, you know, my wife, and, and I, I don't just say this, she really is like a superhero, you know, and so she, you know, she's a great job around the home and, and, and what she does at work as well, and literally, she's there right before they're going in to look at her heart to find the hole, and she's like counseling this lady from church who's, you know, sort of going through a hard time and saying, don't worry, it's going to be okay. And by the way, they're going to open up my heart in a few seconds, so I'll have to get back to you. And uh, she was just always there making a difference for others. And one of the things I was thinking about for, for us during this season, during this one week to live, uh, is thinking about Easter. And I hope that you'll use that as an opportunity to share really, God's incredible message of love and his power through the resurrection. And then they're settling accounts with God. It's interesting as uh, we were uh, at Overlake Hospital for a couple days and saw the cars go by uh, in downtown Bellevue, one of the things that uh, you realize is that just life goes by uh, no matter what's going on in your life. And I realize that there are some people, and maybe some of you this weekend, that you're going through a difficult moment in your life. And it may be one of the hardest moments of your life, and it seems like life is just going by for everyone else. And I want you to know 
that to the best of my ability and our ability, not only as pastors, but as the people who are part of Timberlake Church, uh, we want to uh, be with you during that season, that you would find uh, hope, you would find community as you walk through those difficult circumstances. Well, one of the things that, that we see in Jesus' life as, as he was facing the very last week of his life, uh, life didn't stop. And in fact, one of the things that amped up is criticism in his life, that there were critics and criticism. And as we look at uh, the last week of Jesus' life, we see that uh, the, he was criticized by the religious leaders of the day. It says this in uh, Mark eleven twenty seven through 30, uh, it says, uh, they arrived in Jerusalem while Jesus was uh, walking in the temple courts. The chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders came to him, and they said, by what authority are you doing these things, they asked, and who gave you the authority to do this? So what's happening there is they're, they're questioning Jesus, and uh, they, they wanted sort of this religious power to themselves, and they're saying, are you qualified to be doing what you're doing. And you think about this, doesn't this make you feel a little bit better? Jesus was perfect and he was criticized. So you're gonna be, in fact, let's, let's do this together. This is gonna be cathartic for us. Why don't we say this all in one, two, three, and let's say, I will be criticized. One, two, three, I will be criticized. You will. Jesus was criticized. You look in the Bible at people who were criticized. Uh, Moses was criticized by Aaron and uh, Miriam, uh, his sister-in-law. The apostle Paul was criticized by uh, church leaders for uh, his preaching and for the way uh, he conducted uh, ministry. Uh, I mean, believe it or not, every once in a while, I get criticized. I get the thing like, oh, you know, uh, I don't like your jokes. You should be in some smoke-filled lounge doing comedy. And I'm like, you think I could make it, huh? <laughs> and so the, uh, I find that a compliment. So uh, Jesus was criticized by the, you know, the only time that people say all positive things about you? Your funeral. Isn't that a bummer? is you have to be dead for people to say everything nice about you. And sometimes it can sting, and sometimes there's a positive to it. And I'm looking specifically at really uh, what this was uh, for Jesus and and how he handled uh, criticism during this last week of his life. Because if you can learn to handle your critics, you will have more joy in your life. You're not gonna let people steal your joy. If you learn how to handle criticism, you know what? You're gonna be able to hear from God more clearly. If you learn how to handle criticism, you'll be able to understand where uh, the, the enemy of our souls is trying to discourage and destroy the good thing that God has done in your life. See, learning how to handle criticism in a positive way is difficult uh, because we all have our typical reaction. What do we want to do is just explode back at them. 
and tell them how they're wrong. And there's a, a time for that. But I think we learn from Jesus how to move through life, move on the mission that God has for us. At the same time, we handle criticism. The first thing uh, that really we see in Jesus, and we're looking at the Gospel of Mark today, uh, primarily uh, Mark chapter 12, is to to write the narrative. And uh, sort of a tricky wordplay there. It's one is to uh, make sure we're, we're interpreting things correctly, and others are as well, but also to tell the story of what's going, what truly is going on. See, some of us, see, the hard part, uh, unlike Jesus, uh, some criticism that comes our way is not all bad. Criticism really comes from one of three places. Uh, One, it can come from what I call well-intentioned dragons. You know, the people who... uh, Uh, you know, would say something, and they're not trying to hurt you. It's sort of like a dragon. They're breathing on you. They just want to give you a kiss, but they incinerate you in the process. And that's some, and some of you are, if you'll be honest, and this doesn't make you a bad person, you can be a well-intentioned dragon. You know, if you say something like, I don't want to hurt you, but before you say anything else, think about what you're saying. It is, are you the person that God has called to say it? Because just because you know something, you don't have to say it. Uh, is it helpful? Will it build the other person up eventually? Is it constructive? Are you doing more than just pointing out a, a problem? Do you see the way to God's solution? And are you restorative in your approach? You know, you think about it, you think about a little kid uh, who's learning baseball, and you can say, hey, you know what, uh, you might as well, uh, have you ever thought about the wrestling team? And that can uh, just, uh, by the way, that's what they said to me, I wrestled <laughs> in junior high and all of that, uh, but the, that can just make you want to give up. But there's another kind of criticism that says, hey, you know, if you hold this bat the different way, a different way, and if, if you sort of uh, put your hips here and wait until the ball's here, see, you're saying that, that what they were doing is wrong, but that's coaching for success. Uh, parents, any parents here? Go ahead and raise your hand. Oh, good, lots of parents. Uh, you can coach for success, or you can kill dreams. And my guess is both of us, or that most of us, have done both. But what we want to do is be that kind of critic who's not a well-intentioned dragon, but someone who uh, is actually constructive. And then there's criticism uh, that can come from the enemy of our souls. Uh, I know some of you are like, hey, I don't believe in Satan. Well, he believes in you, (laughs) and uh, he will work overtime in your life to try to take away the good things that God wants to do in you, what God is building up in you. And then there's some criticism that is actually from God. Uh, Here's the deal. You look in the Bible, Jesus criticized Peter. And do you know why he criticized Peter, his closest follower? Because he loved him. 
And I say this because there are some of us here, if you're going to be honest, and again, I get it, you have a hard time hearing any criticism. And sometimes people, what they're doing is you take it as a negative and you just fire back. And one, you're missing God. And you're missing someone trying to extend love to you in a way that says, I don't want you to go down that road. It's not going to be good for you. And, and can someone say that in your life? If you've never, if you can't point to a time where someone's given you constructive criticism and you've received it and said, you know, hey, that was sort of hard. I didn't want to hear that, but thank you. Then chances are, well, not chances are, it's pretty definite that you have a problem getting input in your life. Now, I know some of you are thinking, okay, great. Now there's that critical person, and now you just gave them permission to, to go you know, double barrels in my life. I'm not saying that. Uh, like I said, there's a time and a place and a space for that. Uh, you know, there's a difference between, you know, if 12 or 15 people are telling me something, then, you know, it's probably time to change, or that one or two people who are overly critical, overly negative, they haven't said anything positive since 1974, and uh, those are the kind of people that we need to be careful of. Well, what Jesus does uh, when he's approached by, by the Pharisees, he, he tells a different story. In fact, he tells a literal story, uh, and we read this. It says, Jesus then began to speak to them in parables. He says, a man planted a vineyard, and he put a wall around it, dug a pit for the wine presses, and built a watchtower. Then he rented out the vineyard to some of the farmers and moved to another place. And, and Jesus goes on in that story, and what he says is he says, and then there were these people who had this responsibility. And the problem is, is even though they had this authority and responsibility, they didn't handle it well. Yes, they'd been given the responsibility by God, but they weren't handling it well. And you remember that verse we read as we just started out? What were the Pharisees criticizing Jesus for? Do you have the authority? And Jesus, what he does is he writes the story and he says, you know, the truth is, yes, I have authority, and you have authority, but how are you using it? Are you using it for good? Are you using it for bad? And so we, we see that in our lives uh, that there's narratives that maybe we need to write. Maybe it's in a marriage, in, in, a, in your marriage. You know, there's sort of that story, that battle that goes on, maybe who contributes more. That's maybe a narrative that we want to get rid of. Or in a workplace, who's the most important? Or uh, with your friends, it could be another narrative that's driving you apart. And so Jesus, what he does with his critics in the last week of his life is he, he tells a different story. And then we see this, and I think, by the way, you know, during, with all the political craziness uh, that's going on, is this one is really important, is he stays above the power struggle. Uh, and this is really uh, important, especially if you've uh, thrown anything at your television set lately. 
You know, if you've caused damage to your TV, if you find yourself screaming to people in a TV studio or in some political office somewhere across the country, then probably you want to you wanna hear this as well. It's interesting uh, because uh, Jesus, uh, he's actually, he, he's talking to the religious leaders and they're trying to trick him. And they're trying to get him in trouble. They're, they're saying, hey, should you pay taxes to Caesar or not? You say, well, what's this a big deal about taxes? Well, the Romans were the occupying government of the land. They, were, they had taken what wasn't theirs, and the religious leaders are saying, should you pay the people who are oppressing you? Well, they're also the people with the soldiers who could kill you. They're trying to, they're trying to trap Jesus in this. And uh, we read this in Matthew 12, 15 through 17. It says, Jesus knew their hypocrisy. He says, why are you trying to trap me, he asked. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. Tim Keller, one of my uh, favorite authors, uh, he, he says this really, and this is more like in the political realm. He says, yeah, for if you're a Christ follower, we need to understand who we serve for, most of all, the king of kings, right? That uh, this may be hard for you to understand, but that Jesus neither registered as a Democrat or a Republican. He, he has refused to register with either party. Uh, so, uh, but here, here's what we need to understand is that we can get into trouble. We can get into uh, political simplicity where we just sort of, you know, are simplistic. And I think honestly, as I, just my 50 cents, I think that's half of what's wrong with political discourse in, in America today is that we don't understand the complexities and the nuances. Uh, and then there's political complacency where you sort of just aren't involved, you know, whether there's uh, a right uh, or a wrong to be righted, or there's something like that. But it means you're involved in a different way as a Christ follower. There's limits to how I can act. When the world's going crazy around me, I don't actually have the ability to do that because I serve God and I have to operate God's way. And you know what God says? This is one, I know some of you aren't going to like this. He actually, do you know that he, Jesus actually makes a real big political statement? And this is like the story you got to follow if you're a Christ follower. Love your enemies. You say, there's no but, no clause there. And some of you are thinking, that means I'm going to be the most loving person on earth now. Because <laughs> there's a lot of people like that. And then there's uh, political superiority he talks about. And this is where we, we just think we have all the answers. And so I, I think it's important as we look at, maybe it's not a political power struggle. Maybe it's a, a, a power struggle in the home or in the workplace. And what Jesus does, he says, I'm not going to get caught in this. I'm not going to let the, the critics determine the narrative or determine what I will and will not do. And instead what he, he does, as we see in his life, is he gets to the real issue. He gets to the, to the real issue. 
Uh, and this is so important because oftentimes we know when there's uh, conflict or there's criticism. Now, some of it, like I said, couldn't be good and, and from God. I'm talking mostly about that part that's not. But that there's the issue behind the issue. If your spouse gets mad at you and super angry because you did not clear a plate, it's not about the plate. And I only say this because I know there's men listening to me this weekend. Yeah, and you know, so there, oftentimes we're sort of like, okay, what's behind this? I've shared this story before that uh, in a church I pastored down in San Diego, uh, we were uh, doing a building campaign, and, and one, one person uh, uh, got sort of mad at me, and we, I met with anyone who was mad and, and said this was uh, crazy, and why would we be doing this? Literally, we were doing eight worship services a weekend to fit in the people. I don't know why we thought we needed a bigger building, but I held my sarcasm for a moment, and uh, this, this person was like, you know, just said some bad things about me personally, and I said, you know, I'm so sorry you feel this way, and, and just tried to explain it, and just the, the purpose, and just making room for, for everyone. I mean, one of the things, even as a, as a church, you know, we're, we do these different campuses. Why do we do that? We just make, we want to make things more accessible so you can have, uh, you know, church in your community. And, and that's, it's, it's not about a big organization. Honestly, the complexity sometimes gets frustrating. It's just about showing compassion and concern. Well, I tried my best to, to talk uh, with this person, and I'm like, I don't know what in the world I did wrong. Have you ever had that? You don't know what in the world you did wrong? And it was two years later, this person came to me and said, I was unfair to you. Really, who I was angry at was myself, because I was in an affair, and I was cheating on my spouse, and so I took it out on you. And so that has helped me, that situation, it was hard, but it's helped me so much in my life because now I realize when people criticize me, it's because they're sexually immoral. And so that uh, it just has, uh, at least that's a takeaway I've gotten from this one. <laughs> uh, just what I'm assuming, just got to let you know. So the, uh, uh, seriously, uh, Jesus had an incredible ability to get to the heart of the matter. Jesus has asked uh, by one of the religious leaders, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And he says this, the most important one, uh, answer Jesus is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Now, Jesus' critics, they, they can't really argue uh, with that one. What he does is he says the highest thing you can do is to, to love God and express that through loving other people. By the way, this is why some of you get frustrated in your relationships. And what you try to do is first you try to love other people. And then you try to love God. And that doesn't make you a bad person. You're actually a pretty good person. But it will mean you won't be very effective. 
See, because when I love God first and when I say, God, I, I want to love you and express love for you, and, and this is not me ignoring everyone else, this is actually me learning how to love. Because otherwise, what I'm going to do is I'm going to come up with my own definition of love, and half the time, uh, I'm going to get it wrong. See, God tells me how to love. He he tells me to be a good Samaritan to those in need. He tells me to encourage other people as long as it's called today. He says to forgive those who've sinned against me. And he tells me to, that I've been blessed to be a blessing to others. He tells me uh, not to lead with judgment. And if I do make an evaluation, that I better make sure I'm willing to use that same standard in my own life. God tells me that his greatness is achieved through being a servant. And see, that's what we find Jesus doing in the last week of his life. And one of the things he does as well is he points to positive examples. And in fact, there's this sort of odd story that we find in the Bible that, uh, that there are people that are coming and they're uh, giving their, their offering. And there's all sorts of uh, things that we can learn about that, and I don't want to get into it at this point. But needless to say is when people would come and they'd make an offering at the temple, it was a big deal. And some people would make a big show of it. You know, they'd, I, I don't know, they didn't have checks then, so they would, uh, you know, throw in whatever they were throwing in, saying, hey, you know, this, look at me, I'm a super good person because of how much I'm giving to God. And uh, Jesus, actually what he does is he points beyond a mount to a heart. It says, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, and, and there's a, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. She'd put in a couple copper pennies. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything she had to live on. See, he, he's, he's pointing to this uh, widow with little resources available and little options in that day. And he's, he's saying this is someone who is really showing love when everyone else is judging her. Everyone else is thinking, it's not enough. Have you ever had people like that in your life? Yeah, sure you have. Some of you are with them, so you don't want to look at them right now. And, they're, and you're doing your best. And they're saying, it's not enough. But God sees you doing your very, very best. I mean, uh, I remember a guy who was a youth leader at a church I uh, pastored a long time ago. And there was, uh, th this was a church that had, you know, gone from just a very small number of people and grown to uh, a decent-sized church. And one of the pe original people saw this one guy who was a youth leader, and he was smoking out back, and she was like, can you believe that he is smoking? And I'm like, well, let's stone him. He's going to hell. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, no, I, it's like, she didn't know his story. I mean, she didn't know that he was smoking all sorts of other things before he, and, and doing all sorts of other things. And that, like, you know, this was an amazing movement. 
And sometimes what we do is we judge people by, by where we think they should be instead of where God has brought them already. And what will happen is people will get discouraged, and you may have gotten discouraged. Because you, you say, yeah, you know, I don't act like those people and, and, you know, who seem so to have it all together. You know what you need to do? And this is so important, whether you've been a longtime Christ follower or you're new to this thing, is you say, God, what do you want me to do? And God, will you give me the power to do it? And you're really living for him. And you, and you say, okay, I just do what I want. No, I, no, don't do that. Do what God tells you to do. See, there is this, this sense of it's, I'm not my own God. I mean, you know, there's religions you can make that up and, and do that. That certainly has nothing to do with what Jesus said. But Jesus saw people who were, who were walking along the way, and that's why he, he was actually, when he was called a friend of uh, tax collectors and sinners, they were trying to say the worst thing they could say about him. But it was the mark of his ministry taking people, and he said, you don't need to live this way anymore. And it never felt heavy, like there was this judgment of like, I'm not good enough or I'm dumb. It was the sense, I can be free. And maybe for you, that's exactly what God wants to tell you. Don't, don't listen to the critics who are unfairly coming your way. Listen to God who says, I love you. And maybe if there's an area of change, he wants you to be free. And then that leads to number five is to respond with grace. We read in Mark eleven twenty six, and this is really actually what Jesus, the interesting thing is Jesus says this before the very first verse we read, and he knew the criticism that was going to come his way. But before, he knew that was going to happen, but he made a decision ahead of time, and we see this in, in Mark eleven twenty five twenty six. 26, that in the Bible, it says, uh, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, Forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. And it's not that we earn God's forgiveness. He's saying, if you can forgive others, then that shows you've really received forgiveness from God. That we give grace because we receive grace. And I would say this to some of us, if we look at it and we say, you know, hey, this is an area of my life where I'm not the Jesus in this picture, I'm the critic. Is there someone that God has called you to even now, even you go in this season, to extend the very grace that God's given you? Or maybe for you, you're like, hey, I've, uh, I've never felt like that's been for me. And I think God's word for you today would be that is for you. That's his offer for you. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. 